Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, Ian and I are diving into five books that have greatly influenced our thinking on e-commerce. So let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Good morning, Mark. I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm all right. I was just watching the news in New Zealand and watching, telling us we're going to go into a level four lockdown in New Zealand because there's one case of COVID, which, um, and the level four lockdown in New Zealand means like everything is closed, including online businesses. um, Apart, the only thing you can go to is the supermarket. That's literally it. Um, So that's quite big news. um, That's amazing that they've closed. Well, A, it's amazing that they've got, they've closed it for one case, but it's amazing that they've, they've shut online deliveries because you'd think they'd want people to stay at home, not going yeah, to the Yeah, but it's because people have to go into those, those delivery centres and de- deliver the parcels, so they don't, they don't even want people going into, into those kind of workplaces. So I think essential deliveries can still be done, like right. you know, if you're getting your... your um, Know, diabetes stuff or things like that I think that can probably still be delivered but I, I think a lot of the normal e-commerce stuff is going, is going to be shut down it, they say three days but we'll have to see what happens it's just been a very knee-jerk reaction to it but, God, um, I mean just think every time you know there's one case reported they're going to shut the com- country down again I mean it just must, must um, be chaos yes well you need to get everybody I, vaccinated yeah, well, hopefully we'll UK. get everybody vaccinated now. But, you know, it's been very 4, nice 000, living without COVID, people. though, and keep it out, keep it out, see Even what happens. You can't come and can't come see your little, little brother. It's true, can but you? if I get England. vaccinated, then I can come. So Yeah, it's your yeah. perfect excuse. Exactly, exactly. Right. Today, um, someone mentioned on the, the Facebook group or someone like that, that, he, that some of the books... Uh, that I mentioned in my book, and he was interested in um, some of the books that have shaped my thinking. So I've, there's actually quite a lot of books that have shaped my thinking because I'm a bit of a reader. But what I've picked is uh, picked is five important books that have kind of shaped my e-commerce um, thinking. And I've picked five ones that you haven't read, or at least I don't think you've read them. And so you can kind of react to me talking about them as if it's a fresh, okay. um, a fresh thing. So um, what I'll do is I'll start with the oldest one, which is uh, My Life in Advertising by uh, uh, Claude Hopkins. So this is super, super old school because he actually lived from 1866 to 1932. And he was pretty much the one um, he kind of pioneered um, selling products via um via stores and 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 it was kind of like the really early days of mass market mass marketing and selling things by mail order uh back in back in the day so but it's a fascinating book even now um 
because it's just it's just you know you, this you can... isn't the one this isn't the one that's a long a long series of different letters of no that copy. that's that's a that's by a copywriter when he's in jail he's trying to teach his son yeah. some skills and I think that's called the boron letters or something like that um, oh, yeah yeah um, this one is, one is 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 a guy who he, he was basically he went into companies and he was told we need to sell like it was like there was a certain type of margarine or something and he would he would have to sell that over everybody else's and he would just turn up and then he'd start making these massive companies out of nothing and um, it's it's really it's a really fascinating read. It's it's not mm. it's not a long book, um, but it just gives you a real. Uh, that, was like an era. that was yeah. that was an era. That was an era when mass mass marketing and mass manufacturing was taken off for the first time. Probably that they yeah. had national distribution of these products that they could take them and deliver them. Yeah. Um, and grow them and expand them and scale them very very quickly. So it yeah, was really it was the first time of time. kind of everything linking up, you know, so that, yeah. you know, at, like the radio was kind of starting and there was, you know, mass production. So it was the first time that was kind of happening. And what this guy, I guess my key learnings from that is that it was all about the offer. So how he presented the offer um, changed the fortunes of the product he was selling completely. So, um he was not always selling the product. He was always necessary. He was basically saying, well, I need to get this product from here to here. And I don't want to get it to these guys' hands. And I want this, uh, want to be able to sell this many of them. So how can I do that? And he used to put offers together to make that happen. So, you know, he would go um, and think about like, so there was, I think it was called, there were drugstores or like the, the pharmacies over there. And he would say, right, well, what if I, if I took the risk away from the pharmacy and said, look, I'll, I'll only, um, you'll only pay for it once you've sold it. And so we took the first risk and then uh, I'll get you to guarantee it. But if anyone returns it, I will, I will swap it out for you. So he was all about positioning the offer and thinking about where the risk was for the customer and who they trust. And it's just a really good primer on starting to think about offers and how the offer will change your fortunes around uh, different things. And it still affects how I think about selling skincare products and what we talked about last week yeah. and things like that. Well, because he knew a lot of these products. Yeah, It sounds to me like... You know, he realized that in order to grow this brand or this product, he's got to steal market share. He's got to stop people buying something else they're already buying. And mm -hmm. in order to do that, he's got to have a change. He's got to, he's got to inflict a change of behavior. There's mm -hmm. got to be a good reason to do that. If they're already buying the margarine from somebody else they've done for a long time. All of a sudden, you've got to give them a reason to try something else. Yeah. So we've got to go through. And that's the same with e-commerce. A lot of the time, it's, a lot, you know, it's very saturated with e-commerce. And we're trying to get people to buy your product over something they're already buying, yeah, from somebody else. And that, it, you know, that that you know, you don't exist in a vacuum, mm. do you? Yeah. So you do. No, but it, no, but but, it, it, but I think it, what's lovely about these old. I haven't read this book, but from what you're saying, um, what's lovely about it is that it they that he probably understood the fact that you have to create desirability. 
and or convincibility initially. You're going to create that need and then you've got to de-risk it by thinking about the anxieties and then you've got to, you've got to smash those anxieties and then you've got to give them a reason to act now, mm. which is the whole e-commerce flow, isn't it? And also what he was very good at was understanding when he put together an offer and he made a claim like, you know, like we say sometimes, like do 90 day returns or 365 day returns. And then, you know, he was very aware that if he did something like that, that maybe only 2% of people returned it and but his numbers were better. And okay, there were some people who were abusing it, but it was massively beneficial for him to do it. And there was, that was just kind of unseen in, in that day. Everybody was very afraid of, offering something to the customer and, and and thinking about that one order that, you know, someone to return it and then getting really upset yeah. about it. Or, people you know, are still, like, people are still like yeah, that now. Yeah. I was yeah. in a meeting last week with a company doing, well, five, five million, at, you know, and, and they still were scared. The company said, yeah. well, we can't put our returns policy on the shopping basket. Yeah. yeah. Because it, no, that's not, we could have, we don't, we want to hide that. That's like, no. Oh. So, what's yeah, that book then? It's called My Life in Advertising by uh, Claude Hopkins. And I, I, um, I think that it's a really good read for anybody in e-commerce to kind of just to understand. My Life it, in Advertising yeah, because by it's Claude kind of like, Hopkins. Like e-commerce has got a lot of shiny things and a lot of kind of crazy tools and a lot of things happening. But if you, if you read that book, of course, none of that existed in that day, but it was still selling yeah. the same thing to people in the same way, to the same human mind. And so it's going to, it's gonna, you kind of do, you'll just get some ideas from it and go, oh, that's is interesting. This, I was it that. like an off the page? Was it, was it, you know, an off the page ad? Was it, t- was it posters? He did all boards? sorts of things. He did like, in, it's, sometimes when he went to cities and he did samples and he gave samples out at places or he did adver- adverts in a, in the newspapers and, and okay. different things. But it's more about what the offer was, how he thought about it. And, you know, you, you kind of go into the story in the ways it, he says it and you think, oh, I'm never going to, you're never going to be able to sell this. And then you kind of go as he just unpicks it for you and go, well, this is what we did. And this is why we did it. And this was the yeah. numbers. And that's and what he, made so sense. Nothing has changed. You know, the, the medium, you know, the mark, the message is the same. The market mm. the same. The medium's changed. Message market yeah. medium. Yeah. Uh, and he would be, he would be doing exactly the same thing as if he was alive today now, but probably using Facebook, Instagram, yeah, he'd be putting um, the office together. Topic. He'd be thinking about how he'd be selling it. You know, it's the same yeah. kind of thinking. He would still be a very wealthy man today. Yeah. Um, so the second book that um, I reference quite a bit in some of my trainings and, and, and thinking is is actually called Thinking Fast and Slow. So, and this is by... Who's that? Who, who's, which author is that? This is Daniel Kamen. Um, yeah who won the Nobel Prize in economics. And he worked with a, a, a kind of a professor partner, who I forget the name of, um, but who, who passed away. But this was his book that he wrote based on their work. And you've probably seen in a lot of my videos, Ian, where I talk about level one and level two thinking. So, you know, we don't want to make people think. And what we say about yeah. that is... You know, if, if you're walking down the street and you, I ask you to add four, uh, four plus four, you'll just go, it's eight, it's fine, you can keep walking. But if I kind of tell you to times 64 times 16, you'd have to stop walking because you need your full brain to work out what that is. You'd have to kind of say, well, you know, work it out. So 
what what's happening there is that you've got an automatic thinking which is your system one thinking and you've got your system two thinking system two thinking as soon as we do that we have to use a lot more brain and we have to be thinking you know much more deeply about it so that's why on e-commerce sites that we want to keep people as much as possible in system one thinking because then they can check out without going and using their willpower. So if you imagine that people have got willpower, a certain amount of willpower that they come along with, almost like fuel in a tank, if you use that early on in the visit, they're not going to have enough willpower to get through the checkout process, which is usually where they have to use a little bit of system two thinking to think about when they want it delivered and whether they want it and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So the thinking fast and slow, it, it talks about that system one, system two thinking and when it gets triggered and when it doesn't, and also how people think about um, things. It's like one of those books where they're talking about different psychological problems where they, they change things around and found that the human behavior was not changed in a rational way, it was changing in a rational way. And really it's kind of like a Bible on, human behavior on all these experiments they've uh they've they've done so it's 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 quite a big book but mm. um you know well let me let me apply that to to a couple of example e-commerce examples then because we we've talked about that a lot two, two examples we've said is in some cases you've got to imagine the pressures people are, are under and you imagine if they've had two gin and tonics the kids are running you know it's, it's the afternoon you know, the kids are running around, they've just got the kids to bed, they've had two gin and tonics, you know, they're lying on the sofa and they're on the phone. And, you know, that's, you know, the, the, and that's where they have the nanoseconds to get their attention. And if we don't make it really easy and make it the, a wonderful flow, you know, we've lost them. Yeah. So we yeah. really have to think about it. And I, I think there's an example here. You know, if you're selling a lower price product, you know, it's about, being spontaneous and making it super easy and really convenient so you'd have your paypal express everywhere and you make it super easy to do mm. but if you're selling a higher price product so i was with a company the other day and they were selling um a, you know kitchenware for like 300 pounds you know mm. it's considered purchase um, you know they're quite complicated products and we were talking about the fact that they're um, their mini when you clicked on the basket in the top right of the website it took them straight to the checkout and it bypassed the shopping basket stage and they were we were debating about whether or not that was a good thing or the bad thing and I was saying well you know if you were selling something people were buying every week it was like your groceries it, they, you know it was in out get in as fast as you can that's that's great. You know, you'd do, you'd 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 skip that step. But if you were selling something that's a complicated rational purchase, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of thinking that's going on. You want to take them to that basket page because then you you can take them and explain a slightly different level of anxiety around returns and warranties and reasons to act now and scarcity. Whereas mm. on the product page, you've got to talk about product discovery. And, mm. you know, they're not bothered about the anxieties as much at this stage. Whereas if you throw everything at them at the product page, if, you, if you've got product page and then checkout, you've got, you haven't got enough room to take them on that nice journey. Mm. Um, yeah. And it becomes a difficult, a difficult process. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing from Thinking Fast and Slow that I brought to the Hammersley Brothers stuff quite a bit was the 
the fear of loss. So they talk about how um, the fear of loss is always greater than the, the, the people gaining it. So if I if I gave you five pounds, Ian, you'd be like, yeah, that's five pounds. But if I took five pounds out of your wallet, you'd feel much more emotional about it. And so in e-commerce, we've used that a lot to, you know, with reward points and things like that to get people to buy again, you know, giving them some value and then taking it away is, is, is better than just, you know, the, the kind of like indication that we're going to give them something. So yeah. it's kind of like the, the asymmetry of losses um, is, is a big thing in the book. So there's a lot of really good stuff in there. And to be honest, I'm just look, I'm just reading the book whilst you're obviously uh, prattling on about something and I'm, I'm finding all sorts of stuff. <laughs> that's but, good. Um, well, that's quite, quite, you know, what's good about there, that fear of loss is imagine you've got to kind of make somebody um, imagine that they've, they've bought that's why you that's why we talk about the job to be done you know so if it was a, a cushion or a sofa you gotta mm. you gotta you gotta make make them feel oh think about how amazing you're gonna feel when you've got this at home you're sitting on the sofa and it's gonna look amazing you gonna, it's gonna be really you know it's gonna be really smart and they start to then get the desirability and they start to imagine that in the home mm. and they want it because the desirability is there and then we say oh you know, there's there's, a, there's an offer on this week that's going to end, and it's low stock. There's only, only two left. You know, mm. then they start to go. Oh God, it's going to go. I'm not going to be able to get that. Yeah. So if and you that's... can get a customer to or a prospect to believe that they have something, and then you take it away. So it's like when you're on. You know, when you go to the theatre and you book theatre tickets, and you you take a while to book those seats, and then yeah. you kind of like that's it kind of goes. We're going to save your seats for the next fifteen minutes or ten minutes. Yeah, you think, bloody hell. You're top. like, I'm going to get those seats because otherwise they're going to give them to someone else. Um, and it's such a powerful motivator to continue through that I bet you that the basket to order stats on theatres are really, really high because it's believable, yeah. isn't it? It's really believable. Yeah. Um, you know, so we've done that occasionally with, you know, when sites have low stocked items and we're saying we're going to assign these to you for the next 10 minutes or something because this is a, you know, low stocked item. You do have to be careful with that. And I see a lot of Shopify stores kind of putting in the latest extension that does that. And it just comes across as cheap. It has to be yeah. believable. If you don't have anything that's believable, it's it's almost worse. It just puts people off. So yeah, you can't just plaster it across every product. Um, you know, you have to have a reason why and it has to be believable. So there's yeah, all think, sorts of good all stuff. all of these things, I think yeah. all these things like that, you know, all these little, you know, little widgets you add on, you know, stuff like that. You know, and, and unless you've unless you've created the desirability or convincibility in the first place, they don't work. Mm. You know, you've got to create that that need, that want, that drive. You know, if it's an emotional product, it's desirability. If it's problem solving product, it's convincibility. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and the, the, the other thing he talks about is anchors. Anchors, we, we've talked about that before. So, you know, if you've introduced, like, because there's, there's a sentence here, was Gandhi more or less than 144 years old when he died? How old was Gandhi when he died? And because I've said an anchor of 144 years old, you're going to, um, you know, if I'd said that to you, people, you would, people would guess he was older than he was. And if I'd said, how old was Gandhi when he died? Because I've given you an anchor of 144. So, you know, I've used that in an occasional split test in categories where the, the buyer doesn't really know how much this product might be, but I might anchor it next to a, like a really expensive product for them to see, oh, well, that one looks quite reasonable. I'll get that one. 
so there's all different things you can use with anchoring to get the prospect to um, essentially buy what you're selling for what you want to sell it because you've anchored anchored something in their mind. I mean, from a very basic point of view, you hear people do it in you know in in those kind of cheesy salesman things at those fairs where they go, I'm not going to sell these to you for 250 pounds. You know, that's what normally I'd charge. I'm going to charge. I'm not going to charge for 100. I'm going to charge it for yeah. you know 25 pounds. And of course, it's all about anchoring a higher price. But we can do that subtly in e-commerce um, with 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 different with different things. So a lot of the time, when people ask me how much my products are, I go forty million dollars <laughs> with a big like, strike through. Yeah, but today it's only going to be a thousand pound a month. Yeah. So anchoring is really important as well. So yeah. there's really, I mean, if you have one book and you want to kind so of what's learn it about called? Behavior, it's called Thinking Fast and Slow by Dan. Came out a while ago now. It came out in about so you just 2011. Broke up the tiny bit. You, you, I think you just sorry. Say that it again. was my phone. Got it. Yeah, it, it, it was uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, and it came out in around about 2010. Thinking Fast and Slow by Dan- Daniel Kahneman. So K A H N E M A N. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it is a tre- treasure trove. You just have to be. Um, you, you know, it's it's if you're not interested in this stuff, you're going to find it hard to get through because the text is really small, and the book is about 500 pages long. So it's uh, but when you will you get an education in your day, Mark. When do you read? Well, I don't really do any work anymore, Ian. I just pretend I'm doing work I mean, and um, just send over reports to you. And that, but I really am just reading books. I work at work and then I work at home. And yeah, I'm tired. I've got a Kindle. I have a Kindle and I read. Just when I get into bed, I I and read I've, every night, but I read I read fiction to make me go to sleep. But I read yeah. every night. But if I read a book like this, then I, my mind would be spinning a million miles an hour. I wouldn't be able to go to sleep. Yeah, I do. I do. I, I don't read quite as much as I did since I got incredibly, incredibly busy with all the businesses we're running. But um, I did have a period of life where I read a lot. But I, yeah, I, I think that's, that's probably when I was running the whole business for you and you weren't doing anything. So it's well, good. It's good you know, that I was training. Yeah. I just like okay, to send over, over crates of money and just occasionally when I needed to buy things. Just yeah. like, Ian, I need more crates of cash. Um, so so I've like, no, just done those two. Okay. So the next one that I really like and it's slightly different, is called the Checklist Manifesto. And it is what you think it would be. It's by Atul Gawande. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. And it's about, um, he was a surgeon in, I think, an American hospital. And he likened the experience, because he was a pilot, and he, when he went flying in a pilot, you know, you have the checklist before you take off. And you go, say, check flaps, check so-and-so, and you've got all this checklist you go through when you're taking off with an airplane. And he was very interested in that because, obviously, when you're doing a, a surgery, you know, it's a human life is on the line. And so he started to um, put in checklists to uh, for surgery. And you'd think it was such a simple thing, but the amount of death that went down from using a checklist uh, just before an operation was staggering, absolutely staggering. Yeah. Like, 
you know, checklist like, do we, oh, what's the, what's the patient's blood type? Oh, it's, it's AB. Okay. Let's check. We've got AB in the cupboard, you know? And like he even, he, funnily enough, he resisted using a checklist on his own operations for a while thinking, oh, it won't affect me. Surely I'm above using a checklist. And he started doing it. And I think the week after, um, they, they, they did the checklist and they checked the AB blood and it was, it wasn't in the cupboard. So they went and got some. And then they had a problem in the operation. And if he hadn't used the checklist, that patient would have died. So he was just like, oh, my God, even, even I can use checklists. So I took that learning about checklists and realized the importance of putting it across our business through all our standards and procedures and, and different things. Because, you know, you'll know, Ian, like something will happen badly. And you'll give three months time, the team will implement the, the fix and then they'll get busy and they'll forget about it. And so having a checklist and making sure that checklist is followed just means you just have better systems and better businesses going through. So, you know, an obvious one is sending an email. You know, there's quite a lot that can go wrong with an email, but just having a checklist and making people physically have to go through the checklist and look at it makes a big difference. And there was another, there was another kind of nuance to it with um, like ja those Japanese train controllers and they were in the station and they had a checklist before the train um, was going and they kind of go check, 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 and they kind of do it. And it, it kind of didn't work, but what they now do is they make them say the checklist item out loud. And it's almost like, because it's, it's out loud, it uses a full brain and therefore they actually have to check it. So there's kind of nuances to a checklist you know first of all you've got to have a checklist second of all you've got to make sure the checklist is used and then you've got to have a process to make sure that the checklist is kept up to date so you know we've got all those processes with my va team and some different people doing different things to make sure that you know i don't mind things going wrong once but i, I don't want it to go through it go wrong twice mm. so well, we've um, got hundreds of checklists I know. But I mean, and we start. I mean, we've been we've been running our businesses now for twenty years, and yeah. you know, it's taken a long time. But I I think what you, I mean, I I said the best thing to do is not to not to spend a week locked away thinking right. I'm going to do all my check. I'm going to go through create all my checklists. Just do. I think do it as part of running your business every day. Mm. You know, start so the first time you send an email or the first time you check your your inventory or the first time you do stock ordering you you create a checklist as you go through and then you continually refine them as part of your normal process so every time something happens oh we'll add that to the checklist yeah and you just and do it, it all the, the weird time. thing is it sounds like people are hearing this for the first time and like yeah checklist of course you need a checklist but until you read the book and you realize how important it is you realize you're not doing it in the right way and you're not doing it enough um, because it's such a little, it's almost like those simple things are the best things because they're just so, so powerful across everything. So the checklist manifesto is, is a great book to read. If you want to kind of get your business out of the chaos and into something that has systems and that has repeatable actions and don't make the same mistakes twice. And also, you know, if you're in a position like I think I talked to three people running bigger commerce sites today and I was asking them, you know, is there any admin tasks that you're still doing? 
they all said yes. They, they all said, yeah, well, I was, I'm doing support tickets just before I speak, and I'm up till 10 o'clock. And this was, you know, one guy who was running a you know, £4 million, uh, pound, uh, it was a wholesale business with maybe maybe 30% online, but loads of potential, lots of potential. And it's like, what are you doing support tickets for? And the pr- trouble is, unless you have a checklist of what you're doing, it's very hard to delegate that task to someone else because everything's in your head. You don't know what you're doing. And also, like, if you don't have a checklist, you'll start doing it badly. So creating checklists, even if it's just you, is going to help you at some point give that to somebody else because then you've got a clear set of instructions to say, look, this is the process we do. And if you don't understand any of the checklist, let me train on you each checklist. I mean, yeah. all our checklists now on a lot of the uh, places actually have links to like have a video to say this is how to do this item on the checklist. So it becomes very systematic. Yeah. Well, the way the way I think about things is, I mean, our you know our businesses is you know it's got lots quite a few people in it now. Um, you know, we're on what about 45, 50 people. Um, but the way I think about it is, if I if ever I have to do something. And I still do loads of things new. I think, well, I'm going to do this like it's the blueprint so that I can mm. make it easier to for either me to do it again or for somebody else to do it again. I'm always thinking about how can I do something that I can repeat. So I, if I'm writing mm. a, you know, a proposal or a, a costing document or um, analyzing a spreadsheet, I'll think, well, I'm going to create this as a template so I can use it over and over again. And I, I became, I'm obsessed, obsessed with that. Yeah. I don't know why, where that's come from, but I, I've Because it's been burned so that. many times, I guess. Well, um, I think you just realise it. But it's it's my biggest motivation, actually. Mm. It's the thing that I enjoy the most is actually putting in, building systems and procedures that we can use to repeat. I'm an, an absolute nerd. So we got, we've got about 14 minutes left, so we better go through okay. the last two so, books. Go on. So... The, 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 the fourth book is The Art of Learning by Josh Whiteskin. Now, have you heard of me talk about this book before? Uh, no. Okay, so Josh Whiteskin, he was, I, I don't think he was a grandmaster at chess, but he got pretty close, and he was a, like a child genius at chess. Um, and he got very, very far, far with it. And he then... Um, decided he didn't want to do chess and then went to become like a push hands champion. That's kind of like a, a martial art in career or something like that. Like that's really big and like is, is absolutely massive. And he basically, mastered, the, 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 the idea of the book or the, the reason he wrote the book is he mastered, you know, not just one um, discipline such as chess at a high level, but multiple, uh, multiple areas. And once you've kind of learned one thing and then you learn two things, you realize that this is a kind of connected way of learning something into a great de- detail. And it was just fascinating how he went into that and, and, and learned it. And obviously, you know, in terms of e-commerce, we are learning a skill. You know, we are learning how to sell things online. We are learning how to run a business. We are learning how to do something. And we want to be at our peak game. So it was it was very much about... Um, you know, mindset and coming at the, the problem with the right mindset and feeling the right energy and but and kind of like the soft skills of learning. And it, but it's just a very fascinating book about the inner journey of of to optimal optimal performance. And I think that um, 
I guess that's probably one of the most overlooked things about running an e-commerce site is that the driver is you or the founders and the energy of the founders is absolutely critical to the success of the business because like the book stops with us and if we're not in the right frame of mind we'll just miss the wrong miss the opportunities make the wrong decisions and do the wrong thing but if we're kind of in that flow state in that optimal kind of like you know moving forward can you hear me in yeah i can hear you sorry the um the national emergency thing that goes off on your phone went off to tell me that New Zealand's going into lockdown. Oh. So it was quite loud. I was like, no, oh, what's going on? I'm listening and I'm yeah. saying, you know, it, it, it's quite a subtle one, that. But, you know, I often look at, well, I think I've had conversations with, with, with e-commerce businesses when they said, oh, we started at the same time as that company did 10 years ago. You know, mm. we're, you know we're, we're doing 2 million and, no, and they're doing 50. And yeah. we started at the same time, on the same products. And you and you kind of think, okay, well, why, you know, why did that happen? They were buying from the same factory, you know, doing, you know, selling the same type of stuff, but one's doing, you know, 50, one's doing two. And mm. and really, I, I think a lot of it actually was, was, some of it was having the guts to spend bigger and understand the mathematics of ROAS, you know, return mm. on spend. And really start to and understand the true value of life and customer value. Really but also the energy, the, the energy to do well, it. Well, yeah, we're saying where to, that comes yeah. from, that drive, mm. that passion, that pushing. And yeah, and, and that's pro- that probably accounts for a lot of it. Yeah. But yeah. that's not what we want into here, to be honest. No. <laughs> because we're looking for, we're looking for, you know, mathematical, mathematical, profitable ways to scale e-commerce businesses. Yeah. But I guess what you're saying is you've got to have, you've got the owner's got to have well, the energy. It's, it's like the energy to do it. for people to turn up and listen to podcasts like this and actually go in, in, in go in, take yeah. the stuff where we're teaching them and do it and do something with it rather than just going, oh God. You know, it's, I know because I think as you scroll, as you're scaling a business, you're hitting new problems all the time that you didn't have mm. when you're a little bit smaller. So you've got to have that energy and resilience to keep pushing them down. Yeah, and that's why if you don't scale, you don't grow, you don't have new problems because you're just sort of motoring along. But as you keep pushing, your turnover grows and you get bigger. It's a mm. new problem all the time. So you've got to you've got to have that, that energy to deal with that, haven't you? Yeah. What's interesting about this book is when I, if I'm reading a book and I think that something's really amazing on the page, I'll turn up, I'll actually do a little dog leg on the bottom of the page. I'll like the little corner, I'll actually fold up on, your kin- on that oh, page, on a physical, on book, a physical right. book. And this book has got more page little turn up than any other book. There's little, loads of little turn ups. And I, I don't really know which, what, which one is, but there's obviously something on the page I thought. Oh, that's insightful. That's, that's interesting. That's a nice little, te- little tip, that, Mark. Yeah. A little bottom turn up. Some people might that... hate that because I'm kind of ruining the book, but I just yeah. literally turn up the little corner, bottom corner, the bottom right corner of the book. So therefore, I'm flicking through it, picking up. I've just got, oh, I wonder what was interesting on this page. Yeah. So that's what I quite like. Um, so there's a lot of page turns on that one. So that was The Art of Learning by Josh Whiteskin. And the final book that... Um, that I'm going to talk about is pre-persuasion 
by Robert uh, Cialdini, which is a revolutionary way to influence and persuade. So I think you've definitely heard me talk about the we Cialdini about books before, but, you, but I haven't talked about the pre-persuasion book. His other books that are famous are the book called Yes, and it's all those little ways of you know, changing the way that uh, the, the, the notice in the, the hotel is written to, to get people to try, you know, to try and reuse their towels and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's those first books were kind of written uh, as to a consumer to kind of warn them <clears throat> to how not to fall into the traps that, that marketers were using. That's kind of how those first ones were written. But the pre-persuasion book is his way of actually telling marketers how to actually do how to sell more stuff. So it's actually mm. it's actually a different different angle. Now pre-persuasion is is really goes into like that the title. In so that's case. the title. The book is called pre-persuasion. Yeah, Pre Caldino. it's called persuasion. 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 And, right. and it's all about everything that happens before the thing where they have to make a decision to persuade them what's going to happen. And and it's fascinating because you know a lot of the time. You know, we're focusing a lot on the websites and we, we, you know, we're talking on product page and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of the time in the marketing that we do, say on Facebook, a lot of the decision to buy that product has been done elsewhere before they hit the page. You know, look, look, at, look at our, mm. our you know, when people sign up to our course. By the time they get sent the product page, which is the sign up page for the course, they already want to buy it. They can't even see it before they've decided to buy it. So all the pre-persuasion is done much much early on and so it's all that book is all about laying the seeds to get the conversion further down the line and that's what's fascinating yeah. about it because you, it, it, it's talking about experiments and it's talking about how uh, sellers do this in different places and how they prime people for different actions and how it kind of shows you really that you've got no control over your will at all and you are just a, a you know and a, a kind of sponge uh, soaking all this stuff up. But, you know, us evil marketers can use this to sell on our e-commerce stores. So it's fascinating. Yeah. That is yeah. fascinating. Uh, of course, I think it will depend. If you're, if you're selling your own products versus another brand, Yeah. that's yeah. obviously significant. I mean, that's something we'll, I think we might do a podcast on. Again, another we've one. done it once before. Mm. Well, it's the fundamental one, isn't it? Yeah. Is that with, if you're selling your own brand of products, no one's ever heard of them. That's where that really needs to happen. If you're yeah, but at the same time, products, if you're selling, if you, even if you're selling other people's products, you know, you have to, you know, take like Smart Home Sounds, for example, who does a lot of pre-persuasion on YouTube before people get to the website. So yeah. When that when the decision is being made about what Sonos to be made, they're watching a lot of information that's done by Smart Home Sounds. So they're watching videos, they get used to them. By the time they get to buy it, they are pre-persuaded that they probably want to buy it from Smart Home Sounds because they feel like they know the person and they, yeah. you know, they want to buy from someone they trust and all that kind of stuff. And and it's there's still a lot of pre-persuasion in selling other people's products. You're just persuading them of other things. So puts it down i mean to be honest four books to get through probably never going to see people again because it's just, just like a wedge of wedge of reading there but those are my well, so what are you saying books. are these are these are these are you saying people should go and buy them and read them to well, they become e-commerce masters 
I, to be honest, I just thought that um, we would talk about five books and, you know, like when people talk about books, there's always one book that stands out to me and I'll go and read that one because I'll think that's really interesting. I want to do it. And, and as people Which is that to this, book then? Well, no, because it'll be different for everybody. If there was, and if you, if there was one book that you felt that was the best starter, oh, what do you think? Oh, I think, I think that I probably, if I had, if I, you chose me, just take one with me that I hadn't read before. I would take, I would pick My Life in Advertising by Claude Hopkins, um, mm. because that's just really fascinating about a different time, and and it, it kind of strips away everything from. All this, all the shiny stuff at the moment, it gets you back to fundamental, like how do you shift stock as a retailer, um, which is what we fundamentally are. And I think that's really what we sometimes forget is we are retailers and we are shifting stock. Yeah. And, um, you know, well, those that's why we, fundamentals we compare, haven't changed. We compare e-commerce yeah. to if you had a physical retail store and when we, and that's how we demystify all of the nonsense and shiny bits of distractions in e-commerce we said well if you had a physical store how would you lay it out how would you run it how do you get people to move from add to basket to taking a product to the till what's the experience like and how do you do average order value and things like that so it's the same yeah Yeah. absolutely that's very interesting Matt. thank you very much well to be honest there's five books for you there go and read on holiday yeah, I think I think we've talked about this stuff so much that I probably go, uh, I'll go, oh, that's where Mark's got that. I thought Mark was a genius because he came up with this himself. He's not. He's just standing on the shoulders here. of giants, Ian. Standing on the yeah, shoulders of look, giants. Page yeah. 38. You yeah. turn corner in the bottom right. Exactly. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. If you're going on holiday and you uh, don't fancy a fiction read. There's five books we need to have a go at. Um, anyway, thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, we'll send this out to you shortly. And I uh, hope you're all having a great time. And um, let's hope the lockdown in New Zealand is a short and efficient one. And we all get back to normal sort of soon. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye, Mark. Bye. Bye.